We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. We have clothes on our backs and oftentimes multiple shoes and shirts and coats and even cars to choose from. I mean, God has been gracious and many of us, I think, in looking back, uh, thank him for that, right? I mean, I think, uh, in all honesty, and I'm learning this in life, I think it's good to do a debriefing uh, or to evaluate, you know, what happened last year. What, what did God do? What's he trying to teach me? Have I learned from my mistakes? What were my mistakes, by the way? Because here's the thing, I want to go forward in life. I want to grow forward in life, you know. I mean, you guys know how it is growing up in school, right? I mean, your your kindergarten, you, you know, you got to pass it to get to the first grade, and then you know, there's a next year comes by in second grade. But what happens if you if you don't go to school, if you don't, you know, uh, take the quizzes or the tests or the exams or do the work or the homework or the schoolwork? What happens? You might have to repeat that course again. Uh, some of you here, maybe you did, you know, repeat a year of school again. And, you know, as a year goes and comes and, man, we don't want that to happen. We want to grow each and every year. And so I think it's good to look back. Uh, some might even say the past year was good. I, I think some would say maybe it, it wasn't. And I want to change things, you know. Sometimes it's just a matter of perspective, to be honest with you. Have you guys heard it said that on New Year's Eve, an optimist stays up until midnight to see the new year in, and a pessimist stays up until midnight to see the old year out? Have you guys heard that saying? <laughs> Which, uh, uh, I'm just curious, how many of you here, I'm just totally curious, how many of you here plan to stay up until midnight, out of curiosity? Okay. <laughs> it's kind of funny how it works, huh? You know, they say that you can tell uh, where you are in the age bracket based on that question. Because <laughs> when you're young, you know how it is? You're allowed to stay up until midnight, right? If you begin to get middle-aged right around my age, you're forced to stay up until midnight. And then if you're old, you don't even think about staying up until midnight. Like, why bother? <laughs> you know, anyways, the thing is, uh, here's the thing, you guys. No matter what type of year you categorized last year to be, as you begin a new one, I pray that you look forward with great hope, with uh, eager expectation. God, what are you going to do this year? With great anticipation, a new season. And I think, um, to me, honestly, I've always been this way. New days, weeks, months, and especially years are designed specifically by God for that very reason, to give us a sense of a new beginning. And I think we all need that. And so here we are, we, here we go again. And uh, one thing I do know is this. It can definitely go better if we come out of the blocks with a good start. And so, you know, I, I want to give you guys a, a good resolution. And uh, I actually wanted to build up on our verses be, by beginning in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3. But we're going to focus on verses 12 through 14. You know, Paul is writing to the Philippians. He's been a Christian for probably about 30 years. That's a long time, huh? But not only has he been a Christian, he's been a right-on Christian. I mean, he has been serving the Lord like no other person has ever served the Lord. I mean, so passionate, right? Used by God to plant churches and 
man, uh, just uh, nothing would slow him down. Here he is, in, in, as he's writing Philippians, he's actually been arrested. He's incarcerated. He's in jail because of the fact that he loves Jesus so much, right? But, you know, it didn't take away his joy. And uh, what had happened was the Philippian church had given him a gift. He wrote a letter back to them to thank them for the financial support they had given to him. And also to deal a little bit with uh, the fact that he was in jail and that there was a little bit of disunity going on in the church. And so just a little bit. And so he writes to them to tell them, you know what, I don't think I'm going to die. I think I still have life uh, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. But I think God's going to keep me alive a little bit longer to help you. That's what he writes in the book of Philippians chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he says, I know there's some disunity going on. And you know, this person with that person, you guys need to chillax, man. <laughs> and, he, and he deals with it because that's how Jesus was. He says, you guys going to have to have to have a mind like Jesus, right? And so in, in chapter 3, this is what he says. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, for, for to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is, is safe. Him writing the same things didn't bother him, and hopefully them hearing the same things wouldn't bother them because he loved them, and he wanted the people to be safe. He wanted them to be protected from the false teachers who were teaching legalism and even a form of Judaism. And so he says there in verse 2, beware of dogs. And that's not Doberman Pinchers or anything. Um, and it's not a term of endearment like it is today. Like someone came up to me not too long ago, hey, dog, what's up? And I'm like, oh, thanks for calling me that. <laughs> I know that's a good thing now, but back then it wasn't a good thing, Okay. Um, these were, it says, beware of evil workers, beware of the, the mutilation. Those were guys who said that if you want to be a run-on Christian, you have to circumcise yourself. You got to go back to Judaism. You have to go back to legalism. And, and Paul said, that's, that's evil. That's evil. He says in there in verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in, in the flesh. You know, it's like, man, you don't need to go back to the law. I mean, we're Christians. We have faith in Christ. Faith alone in Christ gives us the righteousness of Christ. He did all the hard work when he died on the cross for our sins. And if you begin to teach, you know, legalism or circumcision or baptism or, you know, whatever it might be, man, all the good works, and you add that to the gospel, you pervert it. It's a perversion of the gospel. You are free, you are forgiven, you are saved, you are sanctified when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, do you believe? Not just in your head, but in your heart. Is he the Lord of your life? If he is, then you're free. You don't have to go back to all the rules and regulations. You can enjoy your relationship with Christ. You know, because these guys, were they were trying to take him backwards. And then Paul said, I'm not going to go there. He says in, in verse 4, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for the excellence 
of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. See, these guys were bragging about their Jewish pedigree. And, you know, they were saying, you should go back to Judaism, go back to legalism. And Paul says, no, no, not even. I, I traded all that in. I traded all my righteousness in because at the end of the day, what I found out is I had none. I mean, I was a Jew. I was a Hebrew. I spoke the language. I was circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Benjamin. I mean, you know, I, I was passionate. I was zealous. I was religious. But none of that saved me. I traded in my righteousness for the righteousness of Christ. As a matter of fact, he says, I traded in my religion and I counted it as dung. That's what that word is, poop. I mean, it's bad. I mean, you know, our religion, that religion, it's, it's, it needs to get flushed down the toilet. And some people, they try to bring it back into the church. And you know what? They think that they're, they're, they're helping people, but they're putting their chains back on them. Paul says, no, I'm free. I'm forgiven. I know my faith in Christ is real. And I'm a Christian and God is with me. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forward. I traded all that in. And I love what he says right there in verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. We're going to come back to that later. That's what our resolution is going to be. To know Jesus and to be more like him. I trade it all in because I want to know Jesus and I want to be more like him, right? Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. See? And then here's where we pick it up in verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, here's looking back, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So our resolution is going to be to know Christ and to be like him. I, I want to know him more. I want to be more like him. I, I want you to put that up uh, in your refrigerator. I want you to paint that on your living room. I want you to put a sign above your television. Uh, I want you to never forget this. This is my resolution to know Christ and to be more like him. Really, that's got to be our resolution. But we'll never have that resolution unless first we have uh, the realization the realization we read there in verse 12, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected. What he says right there is I have not attained and I am not perfected. It's a, it's a mission that begins with an admission and it has to go deep, right? I mean, to be honest with you, when Paul says this right here, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. I mean, God had done so much with Paul and through Paul, close to 30 years as a Christian, he himself had changed radically. And I believe uh, there's no God, God used him to change the world 
radically for good. I mean, other than Christ, there was no one who was used by the Lord more than Paul, right? But he says two things here. He admits two things. Number one, I have not attained. And number two, I am not perfected. And so, you know, the, the, the resolution, it must begin with a deep realization. I have not attained. The Greek word lambano, it means to receive. It means to take hold of. It means to seize to oneself. Paul says, I don't have it yet. And, and this is an interesting thing because I don't know if you guys know what this is teaching us, but this is what it's teaching us. God has more for you. God has more for you. God has so much more for you. You don't have it all yet. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. You know, maybe you're here today and you're kind of bummed you didn't get everything you wanted for Christmas. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, this is the way it is, I guess, in life, you know. But I tell you what, with the Lord, you will get it all. But the, bo- the bottom line is, is you have to, first of all, realize you don't have it all. You're not going to get it all unless first you, don't, you realize you don't have it all. Paul here, he's over 60. He's pushing into 70. Maybe you're here and you're an older person and you think, well, I'm just going to kind of put it in cruise control. I'm going to chillax because, you know, my life's almost over. Whatever you do, don't do that. With all the life and all the breath that you have left, and Paul only had probably like maybe four or five years left in life, he lived it to the hilt. And he says, I I have not attained yet. I mean, in the previous passage, in verse 11, he talks about the resurrection, right? If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I, and, and I know that that sounds kind of weird. You're like, well, wait a minute, Paul. You already, like, you're already saved. I mean, you already got it. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, in one sense that's true. But what I, what, I, what I found in reading my Bible is that, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to look you know, towards the, the future, and we still have to fight for this in one sense. You know, this year, I don't know if you saw the video that went viral. There was actually a couple of them, and we've actually seen this over the years. But um, the one that really just blew me away was uh, the guys running the, the long race, and they're running the long race. And uh, I don't know how they do it, but, but then when they're getting towards the end and they think it's over, they kind of slowed down. There was a couple of times where the guys were like lifting up their hands, like, yeah, yeah. And then someone just zoomed by them. Did you guys ever see any of those videos? I mean, if you didn't, maybe we can show one in between services or something. But man, it just blew me away. And I think that, not that you're going to necessarily lose your salvation, but you're going to lose that race that God has for you if you let up. If you don't realize that he still has has more for you. I mean, I don't know, the the resurrection, the resurrection power, I mean, the full knowledge of Christ and all that he has for you and for your family and for the ministry so much. The resolution, it begins with a realization, I have not attained yet, you know. And and then secondly, I I am not perfected. There in verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. And the Greek word, teleio, it means to make perfect, to complete, to bring to an end and to finish. And, and in one sense, these two things, the realization is that, uh, number one, uh, all that God has for me, 
And then number two, just, just me. God changed me. And you know, maybe you're here today and you're like a, a pretty good person and you're a good husband and you're a good dad and you're a good servant and you're even killed and you know, you kind of got, you know, your, your bills are paid and just life just seems so like good. But even you need to know that there is still so much more potential to be more like Jesus. See? And that's where I think the, the resolution, it's going to happen, and there's hope for it when there's a realization. Uh, there's a, a great mission that has to begin with an admission that I have not attained, and I am not, I am not perfected yet, right? I mean... Uh, I, I think most in his day would say, well, that guy, Paul, he's just like Jesus. But Paul would say, no, I'm not. Forgiven, yes. Flawed, <laughs> oh, let me tell you, big time. I am not flawless. Completely saved, yes. Completely sanctified, no. Fully belonging to Jesus, yes. Fully behaving like Jesus, no. And yet, this has got to be our goal uh, to know him and to be like him. Remember we read that in verse 10? That's what he, he was man, even though I've been a Christian all these years and done all these things there in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, that I may know him and be like him. I mean, suffer and die so that I might live for him. That's got to be our goal, you guys. This is where I want to be, Paul said, and yet I'm not there yet. And I would venture to say that most of us here identify with Paul on this point, you know? I mean, even if your life is going good and you had a good year, I think we'd all probably say, I still have a long way to go uh, to be like Jesus, right? And, and so we have to have that, that heart I mean, I, I, I mentioned to you about the runner who stopped running too early. Um, how many of us here, maybe you've seen the boxing match where I'm reading, uh, watching one boxing match where the, the, the fight, you know, it, to me it seemed close. But when the boxer would go back to his corner, uh, one of the guys, his coach kept telling him, you got this fight, you got this fight. You know, just kind of relax and, and, and just survive, so to speak, and you're going to be okay. And, and that was the mentality that, that was the strategy he went in. It was just kind of like relaxed. He lost his aggressiveness. He lost his hunger. He lost his passion. And he lost the fight. You know, again, I'm not necessarily talking about you losing your salvation. I'm talking about you, us, losing everything that God has for us, for your family, and for your flock. You know, we got to make sure we have this heart. You know, we have to have that realization the fight's not over. There's still so much more God has for us. I still have a long way to go. You know, Warren Worsby said, A sanctified dissatisfaction is the first essential to progress in the Christian race. Not that you beat yourself up necessarily. I mean, there is a part, uh, a place for conviction, right? And I think that's good. 
But to me, it's more along the lines of not just beating myself up, but more like lifting myself up, more like saying, God, I know you still have more for me. And I want that. I want everything that you have for me. I think that's where Paul was. You know, by the grace of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit, Paul knew in that truthful, humble way that he was not there yet. And so that mission begins with admission. The resolution begins with a realization to know Christ and to be more like him. Because the thing is this, from there, everything else will flow. It's from there. Well, I want the ministry to grow, or I want the family and this to happen with my kids, or my finances, or my body, or just whatever it might be. Everything flows from your personal relationship with Christ. See? How does this happen? Well, let me share with you guys four things I think that can help in our resolution. You know, it begins with a realization that moves to a resolution to know Christ and to be more like Him. Well, then how can we do this? And, and, and we read here some principles, I think, that are important for us in this battle to know the Lord and to be more like Him. Number one, or letter A, is to fight on. Look there again in verse 12. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I, 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 I press on. I, I, I fight on, so to speak. You know, um, you guys don't lose the fight. Don't lose the fight. And I'm not talking about the, you know, going and, and, and then getting into the, the bad fight, okay? I'm talking about going and getting into the good fight. Paul said what? I have fought the good fight. Some people, they don't have the fight anymore. They don't, they don't, it's like I'm tired, my arms are tired, my body's tired, my soul is tired, my spirit's tired, and I can't fight anymore. You know, it's like when I'm on the treadmill, you know, and, and I just start running. And uh, I'll be honest with you, as I'm there and I'm pushing myself, you know, and I know, Lord, help me to do more. And I'm always talking to him and I'm always listening to the praise music. But sometimes you're getting tired and, you know, you got it on that speed. You know, I'm running, you know, number, you know, eight or whatever. And I'm like, man, you know, and you just want to stop. But you're like, no, I can do this. I can just finish this lap or whatever it might be. And then, and then you do. A lot of times, though, people don't. And they quit. You know, I'm telling you this, man. The Lord's coming, and you might think you're not a valuable part of the church or your family or your friends or your neighborhood or whatever it might be, but you are. Whatever you do, don't lose that fight. We need to fight. You know, don't quit. you got to press on. Maybe you're here today and all you can say to yourself is, I'm not like Jesus. I've been at this for, you know, however many years, 30 years. So you know what? I give up. I've tried all these years and I can't do it. You can't teach an, an old dog new tricks. I'm broken. I know God's changed a lot of lives over the years, but he's not going to change me. I, I, I give up. And I just want to encourage you, don't. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on the abundant life. Don't give up on the Christ-like life. Don't give up on the family. 
Don't give up on the ministry. Don't give up on God's desires for you, God's dreams for you, God's destiny for you. Don't give up. You got to press on. You know, even Winston Churchill, he said it's always too soon to quit. It's funny, huh? It's always too soon to quit. And that's why we won World War II. Because he said it's always too soon to quit. Someone says, well, I can't. I can't. Well, I can't isn't a reason to give up. It's a reason to try harder, right? And then you run over to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, yes, you can. Don't believe the lie of the enemy who says, I can't, you know? And if you're a leader here, especially, I read a quote by one man who was a, a king of a country, and he said, it's my firm belief that I have a link with the past and a responsibility to the future. I cannot give up. I cannot despair. There's a whole future generation to come, and I must keep trying. If not for yourself, at least for them. See? Maybe you're here today and you just can't see it. It's so dark. Well, hope begins in the dark. Remember that. The stubborn hope that if you just show up and try to do that right thing, the dawn will come. So you keep working and you keep waiting and you keep watching and you fight on. Never give up. That's what Paul is basically saying. I I haven't attained and some people might think it's never going to happen and get frustrated and then quit and Paul said no but I I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me that's what we're talking about everything that he has for us right and and so we read the next thing in verse 13 I think that helps us number one we got to fight on number two we have to stay focused he says there in verse 13 brethren I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do how many things? One thing. I'll tell you what, that helps a lot. It helps a lot, you know. Warren Worsby said, too many Christians are too involved in many things when the secret of progress is one thing. One thing, right? I mean, you can't be that, that man like the book of James. He talks about the guy who, who when he prays, he doesn't even really believe. He says, man, that guy's not going to receive anything. He's not going to receive any wisdom. James 1.8 says he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He, you can't be double-minded. You can't be triple-minded. We have to be single-minded. One thing I do. And that's what Paul's talking about right here. There's got to be a laser-like focus. And that's why I'm telling you, man, Put it up everywhere. Put it up on your refrigerator because I know how many times you guys go in there, man. <laughs> you know, I've learned that. It's good to put things up in your refrigerator because you're there like how many times a day, you know? Especially you moms cooking food for your kids and your husbands or whatever. You know, you're washing dishes. You put it up there. You know, I don't know. I mean, wherever in all your rooms until it just gets burned in your heart. This is my resolution. This is my vision this is my reason to live, to know him, and to be more like him. And, you know, from there, everything flows. And I would even say that 
in knowing him, that's where being like him flows. That's where you got to focus. I want to get to know Jesus more. I want to be in the word. And this year, I'm going to be reading my Bible. Maybe you can read through in a year. It's not that difficult. You know, if the Lord lays it on your heart, I encourage you. Or maybe you can sign up for one of these classes. You know, I just want to know the Lord. You got to study to show yourself approved to God, a worker, and not be to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, here the Greek word is interesting. It means to follow after. One thing I do, he says right there, one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know, the word right here, it speaks of chasing after someone. When was the last time you chased someone? I mean, really chased someone down. When we were kids, we played tag. That was cool, huh? That was fun. You know, maybe when you were young and you met your, you know, she was then your, your, a gal that you saw, you chased after her, if you know what I mean, man. You know, that's kind of how it's got to be with the Lord. Chase after him. Before you were a Christian, he was seeking you. Now that you're a Christian, you got to seek him, right? I mean, that's got to be our resolution to chase after him, uh, to know him, to, to be like him. John 17, verse 3, it says, and this is eternal life. I mean, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. I mean, this is what it's all about, to know him. It's synonymous with life. And we read later in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You grow in that grace and knowledge of Him, right? I mean, to not know and to not grow in your knowledge of God is not good. You read the book of Hosea and he talks about that multiple times. In chapter 4, verse 6, he says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's what messes up our life. You know, when things are going crazy and you know that it's not right, that's why. Because my people are not knowing me. That's what God said. And this is why we have to make it our aim for the new year to know Him, to know His Word, to know His will, to know His ways, to know His heart more and more and more than we've ever known Him before. You know, don't let the world fool you with their goals, with their misguided measurements for success. Their goals, you guys know this, they're off, right? Their measurements and, you know, definitions of success are off, right? I mean, they, you know, whatever, want to be smarter or stronger or they put their finances before the Father, their gold before God. I like the passage, if you want to turn there real quick, in Jeremiah 9. In verse 23, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let the rich man, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. Those are like three things that the world says is, um, is where it's at. Um, number one is, is your mind. Number two is your might. Number three is your money. 
right? And let not the, the wise man glory in his wisdom because he ain't got none, right, uh, without the Lord, right? I mean, you know, for us, we might even think of it as education or, or whatever. I even think sometimes it's, uh, you know, our Bible knowledge, you know, our experiences in life. No, you know, be careful that when that becomes your pursuit, I don't want to just know the Bible, scriptures and, you know, like the facts. I want to know God. You got to be careful with that. When you spend time in the word and you're studying, are you finding God? And then the, the might. And when I think of might, I think of my strength. And, you know, it could be physical strength. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with exercise and taking good care of your body and be a good steward of it. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as it doesn't become first in your life. And not only that, but just when you think that you can come to the place of, you know, where you're self-sufficient, that, that's a very dangerous place to be. I was talking to my son on the way over here. I was saying, I'm tripping out on how nowadays, I don't know how it would work, they're making cars that can drive themselves. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a Disneyland thing, you know? Do they, how do they do it? Do they have that tracks where the cars go on? I mean, I don't know. And you guys probably know I haven't researched it yet, but I'm like... That's how some people want to be. They want to drive themselves. When God says, no, that's not what I want. I want, to, I want to lead you. I want to drive you. Well, I have the strength. I can do it. No, don't, don't glory in your, in your mind. Anything that's just knowledge. Don't, don't glory in your might, what you can do and how you've come so far. Because remember, I, and I think the best thing is that Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And then don't, don't glory in your money. And then there it is. Oh, man, that's the one. Our God. And, you know, it's kind of funny. When you look at the Old Testament and you look at all the different nations, they all had like one God that pretty much dominated their nation primarily. And for us, I would say our God, I don't know for sure because we got a, a couple of things going on, but I know for sure mammon would be, would be huge in our country, huh? It's all about money. It's all about materialism. It's all about my security. And God said, no, don't glory in those things. Uh, look what he says. He says in verse 4, But let him who glories or boasts glory in this, that he understands and knows me. You see, that, that's got to be our, our goal. That's our glory. That's our boast, that, that you know the Lord. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ? I mean, are you like him? Are you like Jesus Christ? I like what he says right here. That What does he know about you, Lord? That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment or justice, and righteousness in the earth. I mean, you know the Lord, and you know what kind of God he is. He's a God of love. He's a God of love, and He's fair, and He's just, and He's beautiful, and He's holy, and He's righteous, and He's with you, and He's with us, and we know Him. You guys, that has to be our passion. 
And so going back to Philippians, I mean, the, the, the mission of knowing the Lord and His ways begins with an admission. A successful resolution begins with a realization, I'm not there yet, I want to be though. I'm not content, but I'm not discouraged either, Lord. I won't give up. Rather, I'll look up to the one that was lifted up on that cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. I will fight on. I will stay focused. And then number three, I will forget the past. That's what he says there in verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are are behind. You know, a lot of times, what you go to a psychiatrist, you know what they'll do? They'll want to dig up your past. Let me just tell me about your past. What did you do when you were two? What happened to you when you were whatever three? And there is a there's a place for that. Don't don't misunderstand me. But the the tragedy is when it when it becomes your focus and it labels you. I mean, you guys, let's let's glance at our past, but let's gaze at our future. You know, right here, Paul says, I, I'm not going to look back. And, and, and it's kind of like if you can visualize a guy and you ever seen him running over the hurdles. And in one sense, what he's saying is don't look back, you know, to see how many hurdles you've knocked down or, or even how many hurdles you've cleared. No, because what will that do? If you're running that, that race and you're, you're jumping over those hurdles, what will that do to you if you're looking back? You'll fall on your face, man. That's why Jesus said in Luke 9.62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No, we don't look back, right? I mean, what's the greatest distraction for our future? Oftentimes, it's the past. How many of you here are dysfunctional? Just out of curiosity. You all are. You are all dysfunctional. You're like, man, you know, something happened to me at this age. Something happened to everybody. Right? Somewhere along the line, you got hurt by that person. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for you. Well, because this happened to me. This is in me. Well, God's in you. You got to forget the past. You got to give it to the Lord, right? I mean, someone's done you wrong. Hmm? Maybe that someone is you, right? The defeats that you experience, the tragedies, not that God's insensitive. They have a way, however, of taking us down and then sometimes keeping us down. And it's not just the the tragedies of life. Sometimes it's the victories, right? They have a way of slowing us down. We're not as hungry as we used to be, and yet God still has so much more for us. I hear someone say, well, I can't forget. Warren Risby said this, keep in mind that in Bible terminology to forget does not mean to fail to remember. Apart from uh, senility, hypnosis, or brain malfunction, no mature person can forget what has happened in the past. We may wish that we could erase certain bad memories, but we can't. To forget in the Bible means no longer influenced or affected by. It simply means we break the power of the past by living for the future. Which brings us to our, our final point. First of all, to, to fight on. Don't give up. Secondly, to stay focused. Don't be distracted. Thirdly, forget the past. Let it go. And then fourthly, letter D, to reach forward. That's what he says there in verse 13. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
I mean, when's the last time you had to really like reach for something, you know? I mean, the other day I was trying to put the star on the tree and I told my wife, I am just too short, man. <laughs> but, you know, I did get on the little step stool and I was barely tall enough to work it over. She's always crooked. I'm like, come on, I'm dying here, you know? But, you know, there's that part of us, we got to stretch. That's really what that Greek word means, reaching forward, right? Like we're talking about to get everything that God has for us and to, to be everything that God wants us to be, to know him and to be like him, right? I mean, I, I guess in one sense, I want you to know and God wants you to know no matter how young or, or old you are, that God still has a glorious future for you. You know, we go back to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. You guys know that. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I mean, and the Lord wrote that to the Babylonians when they were in Babylon. And that's crazy. I mean, they were there and they were having a hard time praising God. They couldn't sing songs there. But God was encouraging them to know that they still had a future. But the thing is, is the Lord says, Here, here's the way it works, though. That you got to seek me with all of your heart. If you do, God said, I promise. I promise you will find me. And so... You know, we have to um, have this resolution to get to know him. You know, um, I, I want to encourage you guys, and maybe you've made this resolution before, maybe you haven't, but don't let it be a typical uh, New Year's resolution. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but 40 to 45% of Americans um, make resolutions each year. Here's the thing, 92% of them don't keep it. Okay, they don't keep them. It's interesting, 40% will go probably about three months. Anyways, here's the thing. 8% of them do. So it's not all bad, huh? It's not all bad. I mean, most people don't like resolutions. A lot of people, they'll say, ah, oh, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. They say a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other, right? You guys heard that saying before, Right. But, but, you know, here's the thing. Our research shows this, that uh, 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 a proactive attitude, so to speak, is useful. People who explicitly make resolutions are ten times more likely to attain their goals than people who don't. And so that's a high percentage. And then I guess in one sense it's just like this. Well, if you don't have a goal, then you're not going to hit it. But if you prayerfully talk to God and make those goals, and you bring it under His submission, then you're ten times more likely to hit them. I, I want to know you, Lord, and I want to be more like you. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, there's a great Bible teacher named Matthew Henry who used to make resolutions. And let me just close by reading uh, one that was written in his Bible. This is the famous Bible commentator Matthew Henry wrote this resolution in his journal on 
January 1st, 1705. This is what he said. Not renouncing, but repeating and ratifying all my former covenants with God and lamenting it, that I have not lived up more closely to them. I do in the beginning of this new year solemnly make a fresh surrender of myself, my whole self, body, soul, and spirit to God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, my Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, covenanting and promising, not in any strength of my own, for I am very weak, but in the strength and grace of Jesus Christ, that I will endeavor this year to stand complete in all the will of God. And I just thought, wow, that's so cool. Lord, there's another lady named Ridley Havergal, Francis Ridley Havergal. She said, another year is dawning, and dear Father, let it be in working or in waiting another year with thee. Another year of progress, another year of praise, another year of proving thy presence all the days. And so my prayer, you guys, is that we would have that resolution, man, to to know him, to know him more than we've ever known him and to be more like him more than we've ever been. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you don't even know him. You, you never really met the Lord. You're not even a Christian to begin with. I'm not sure. I think all of you guys are except for yes, a couple of people over here. But uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, seriously, man. Do you know the Lord? Are you a Christian? If not, I pray that today you give your life to Him. That would be the greatest way to start the new year. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.